Gracious God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be ever pleasing in your sight. You are our strength and our redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. A friend of mine from high school decided to move to L.A. not long after graduating college. This friend was and is one of the most colorful and vibrant people I've ever known, number one in our graduating class, who achieved this almost effortlessly. But even more frustrating was how he didn't really seem to care about school, as the smartest kids never do. The fact that a couple of Ivies had given him the thumbs up was just like mildly interesting to him. His great passion and calling in life was acting. Because of life circumstance, he ended up going to school locally and studying theater and performing arts. My friend spent his first few years out of college saving up money, but forget making it on the local circuit, he was going to LA without really any connections or prospects of employment. I'll never forget the day he and his 97 Neon sputtered off from Alabama chasing a dream and a passion. My friend lasted less than two months in Los Angeles. A few honest mistakes and illness, the failure to realize that a dollar in Alabama is a little different than a dollar in LA. Just 40 some odd days after a going away party, a couple of us friends got together for a much less enthusiastic welcome home celebration. My friend took his bad luck with about as much grace as one could expect. That didn't hold true for others, though. Years later, his loved ones can barely mention the situation with him, as it is all shrouded in silence and dominated by the F word. Failure. Gotcha. Failure, the word we don't mention. I'm thinking about this friend because there's a chance I will see him in a couple of weeks at my high school's reunion if he decides to come. I'm also thinking of him because I think this morning's gospel is a word to him. You see, often we interpret the passage of the parable of the sower in the obvious way. We all set our sights on being the good soil. The only problem with this is that we all have the niggling fear that in fact we aren't the good soil. And wherever else grace and kindness are taking root, it's not with us. And so we set out removing the rocks from our lives, cutting away the thorns, so that maybe we'll be a spiritual success, the good soil. And then we fail at that. Lather, rinse, repeat. What I am going to suggest to you this morning is the exact opposite of that message. It's precisely in the fields of failure, out beyond the pursuit of victory, where something like new life begins to emerge. I think the sower's seed flowers in garden plots of failure. Did you hear of the museum exhibit 
in Sweden that recognizes and celebrates all the failed inventions of the last few decades. It's creatively called the Museum of Failure. This is a real thing. It opened in June. They have over 80 items in their exhibit, including Harley Davidson's perfume, <laughs> Apple's Newton device. They have a device called the Twitter Peak, a little tablet that only accesses Twitter, which was released in 2009. You haven't heard of it, of course, because it was a colossal flop. They have Coca-Cola's failed beverage called Coke 2, or New Coke. <clears throat> and they have Bic pins for her, which have achieved the lowest reviewer rating on Amazon for the last few years. Don't let the name fool you, says the museum's curator. This is a celebration a celebration of innovation and courage. Julian of Norwich said that in heaven it won't be our virtues that will be rewarded. It'll be our wounds. Each wound, each place of failure will be given a crown of its own. Its own exhibit of sorts. After all, what more is heaven than a place where we will get to celebrate God's tireless in innovation upon our failures? The seed of new life is most radiant and most alive in the soil of failure. But this is all crazy talk. We live in a world that loves success, a world that presses harder and harder to succeed, a world that takes the lemon of experience and squeezes it at all costs into the lemonade of success. One theologian writing about the current state of things in America said that we are almost condemned to success. Condemned to success. What a phrase. It's one of the reasons I think the church ought to be a place where there is no shame around failure. What if we did just the opposite? What if we were like the museum of failure? What if each month after celebrating birthdays and anniversaries, we also recognized and celebrated failures? All right, if anyone has really failed themselves this month, like really royally screwed the pooch, come on down. Thank you, thank you for reminding us that life is more than being right and being successful. Oh, how we need that reminder in this culture monthly. At least I do. One final story to bring this home. <clears throat> Another friend of mine different friend was lamenting the demise of a nonprofit that he had been a part of, and he got into a conversation with an army commander. Failed, did it? Said the army commander. Your fault or someone else's? <laughs> Learn anything from it? Still lose sleep about it? Do any, anything differently about it next time? 
My friend told me about being all but cascaded by these questions, and yet he didn't feel attacked. He was strangely liberated. There was no sense of shame or blame, only the exhilarating sense that life is seldom about anything more than making honest mistakes. Finally, the commander said, my biggest failure was in Iraq. Got a lot wrong there and felt a fool for a long time. Funny thing is, it's only since then that I've really enjoyed my job. Maybe it's because I'm no longer obsessed with meeting others' expectations. What if our failures weren't the things that separated us, paralyzed, or demoralized us? What if we found ourselves freed from the burden of success? How would we even do that? How would we achieve this freedom? Wouldn't we just fail at that? One of the last scenes in John's Gospel you'll remember involves a bewildered Mary trying to make out the impression of Jesus. And she mistakes him for a gardener. Perhaps it's early and she can't see all that clearly. She mistakes him. But you know, I don't think she's mistaken him at all. Because he is the gardener. He is the sower of seed, and there he is, nail marks and all, the scars of failure, both the world's failure and betrayal of him, and of his own failure and death. And these scars are filled with the radiance of resurrection. And what is the gardener doing? He is in the garden of the world's failure, your failures and mine, and he is sowing seeds of new life. He's not taking away our failures, he's doing something better. He's planting resurrection in the depths of failure's soil. And the strength and the hope and the fortitude and the life that you feel in you now, even now, amidst life's failures, these are the first fruits of the sower's seed. The work of the great gardener's hands. Amen. Amen.